Do the Symphony of Destruction riff. All right. You take a couple dudes. And put them on a show. Ask them to rank some shit. Watch people's heads explode. 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 That's as far as I went. If I, if I were better at what I did, I would have written a whole chorus and everything, but that's, that's as far as I went. And I was like, ah, I'm not good. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cranked and Ranked. Where ranking is our business, <laughs> and business is good. Um, business did pretty well last week. That's true. The, the Megadeth ranking business is pretty good. When it comes to a little show like us, or like ours, because we're not, uh, you know, we haven't, we haven't yet gotten to Joe Rogan um, size downloads. <laughs> 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 Maybe one day. Who knows? Yeah. And we'll have all kinds of corporate sponsorships and... And other goodies. <laughs> and and then people will be wanting to come on our show. We'll get Dave Mustaine on this show so we can talk shit about his remasters, remixes, <laughs> and shit. Anyway, yes, this is Megadeth Part 2, um, where we're, we're doing the top eight Megadeth albums, in our opinions. Although I feel like we're both trying to find that middle ground between what we enjoy and what is arguably good, better, or worse about what they did. Um, yeah. At least I've, that's what I've been trying to do. I told Eddie just a minute ago that like my list, two albums switched places just an hour ago. Uh, and and it's just because of the, I keep going back to look at things and go, well, what am I actually ranking here? Am I talking about what I enjoy? Am I talking about whether or not this particular album as opposed to the one before is better or worse or the performance is better, the songwriting, like what is it? And then I, I had to switch some things around. So um, this should be an interesting and fun episode because we're going to be talking about um, some of my favorite albums of all time. And um, I mean, I'm assuming yours as well. Yeah, for sure. I by, mean, by the way, that's Mr. Eddie Sparks that's speaking right now. Yo, it's <laughs> me. I didn't do, the, I didn't do, I didn't do intros. <laughs> it's okay. And this this is part two. People people would probably have already, if they, I, I don't know, maybe I suppose they would have heard the first one if they saw part I would, two I would, on this. I would hope so, but I think if I was brand new to a podcast, I'd probably go for the top ones just to see, you know, what they say about them. Although I find I find ranking the bottom ones more enjoyable. But anyway, so today's the top eight, uh, number eight down to number one. Um, I, let's let's jump right into it. You know what we didn't do last time that we normally do is we didn't talk about where we discovered Megadeth. And, oh, um, dude. And where I discovered Megadeth, it was around 1989, probably. And um, I may have mentioned this before. There was a television show 
on the USA network called Night Flight. And Night Flight was this weird show that showed uh, uh, like kung fu movies and horror movies and music videos and just everything that they could think of. It was kind of a bizarre hodgepodge of stuff. And that's the that was the show where I first started seeing metal videos. It wasn't Headbangers Ball. I for some reason I didn't catch on to Headbangers Ball until probably around 1990, um, when Ricky Rackman was already hosting. You know, when I when I jumped onto that. But prior yeah. to that, all the metal I was seeing was on Night Flight, and I saw the music video for Anarchy in the UK. Yeah, <laughs> and um, that was my first exposure to Megadeth, and I wasn't sold on it then because it's not the best cover of that song, um, and. Um, and then um, I think what finally got me um, a little bit down the line was I think I saw the uh, Hangar 18 video. And I think I've pretty much been a fan ever since then. How about you? For me, uh, I first heard Sweating Bullets on Guitar uh-huh. Hero 5. Yeah. And... Yeah, pretty much. My, I, I spoke to my uncle. I said, hey, I really like Megadeth. Have you got any of their albums? And he said, I've got the greatest hits. So he gave me the greatest hits, and I heard all of the songs on there. And that pretty much covered, I think it was from Peace Cells to Up to Risk. And I just loved okay. everything on it. But it took a couple years before... Um, because I was really into Metallica at the time as well. So I was kind of mm-hmm. way more into Metallica disproportionately to Megadeth. So when yeah, I... F- yeah, same, when, same here. Yeah, when I finally did click with Megadeth, though, I was like, oh my God, here's another whole-ass thrash band that I can just really sink my ears into. But like, oh, what was um, what was the other thing as well? I, th- I think it was just time. I think it, I, was, I knew about Megadeth for three years before I did a deep dive. But when I mm-hmm. did, it was the right time for me because I'd kind of, I'd really, I don't want to say burned out on Metallica, but like by that point, I knew Metallica inside out and I wanted something new. Yeah. So yeah. when it came to Thrash, I was like, right, well, I know a decent amount of Slayer, but I want something a little less extreme. So I'm going to jump on Megadeth. So mm-hmm. I did that and that's that's pretty much how it happened and uh just a quick little thing well well before we get into things um mm-hmm. i went back and i listened to the original pressings of these albums yeah and i, I gotta say despite the fact i never really knew much different before upon listening to them now <laughs> some a good amount of these remasters took so much away from the originals dude yeah yeah well initially it was the remixes slash remasters yeah which yeah that one completely fucked with in varying degrees you know some albums completely fucked them up and other ones i just don't think it's as good but then they actually did other reissues that were just remastered and even then yeah. those were brick walled all the shit so there was clipping going on everywhere that's that's the reason why i hate remasters is because most of the time it's done by people that their one goal is just turning everything up yeah. and most of the time it's most of the time it doesn't 
something dynamically doesn't work. Like there's a re remastered version of Nirvana Nevermind where there's way too much treble. Like I'm just yeah. like, holy fuck, who would have approved of this? And so it, 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 I had so many issues with remasters, especially with you know the Megadeth ones that I've you know years later I've just come to the to the firm stance that um, I if it's if it's a remaster of an album that I love I'll probably buy it but I I'm I guarantee to you I already have an original version of it because I I just don't enjoy remasters at all. <laughs> I saw your uh, video as well today on the uh, Stomp Four Four Two Anthrax oh God. reissue. Yeah, I agree. What the fuck happened to that? That I don't know, and I and I honestly <laughs> like. I really do think that it could possibly be that you know, uh, Megaforce and Anthrax are basically just trying to pull a fast one and make a little money off of bootleg quality stuff. Um, I don't want to give that. Imp- I don't want to blame them, but they had to have known. There's no way that those things happen and come out on a major outlet with all of these people talking about it. There's no way that they don't know. So yeah. um, it leads me to believe that they were just like, yeah, just put these out. People will order them and then we can make a little money during the COVID thing. <laughs> you know You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it could be. So anyway, but, but, when you, but we'll get to Anthrax one day, um, which, is, which will be a, a, a total blast. For but, sure, um, but t- today it's the uh, second half of Megadeth, the better half. Well, I mean, the, there's a as we said, like I, there's no bad Megadeth album. I, I mean, and every every album has something that I enjoy, but we're getting into the territory where I just there's so much good shit. So uh, without further ado, let's go go ahead and jump in with Eddie's number eight Megadeth album. Okay, so my number eight Megadeth album is Risk. Okay. There you go, everyone. Everyone that was waiting for the <laughs> for <laughs> the last episode for Risk, because like so many people, like Risk is the dead last album, and I'm all like, that is pretty ridiculous. But okay, <laughs> so yeah, all right. So number eight for you is Risk. Cool. So this is one of those where I had to go back and listen to the original to truly appreciate it, because mm-hmm. my god, the remaster now. It's just so fucked to me. Like, there are sections of songs, especially on, like, I'll get to it, but track three into track four, like, Enter the Arena and Crush Him, they really fucked that, and I'll explain that in a moment. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, Insomnia, they deleted the whole intro of that song. You know, I I feel like what they tried to do with the remaster of this one is, is... I know we've come into this one talking shit just like we did last time, yeah, but yeah. But here's the thing: it was fine the way it was, you know. In retrospect, I'm sure he thought, "Ah, oh, shit, that one didn't go down well." And bear in mind, they remastered it five years after it was released, so not oh, a lot yeah. of time have passed. No, but also they also like the 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 difference between the two. Like you say what you want about the album, but I feel like you listen to the original mix, especially when you're talking about Insomnia. It sounds like a band that has an, a different idea, and here's the thing that they want to do. The remixed version, it just sounds like a confused band writing kind of different song. It, like it sounds like I can understand that even making it worse for some people if that's the only version they've heard. Because it just sounds like a not like what the fuck were they doing here? But if you take take it to the context of when it came out and how it sounded when it came out, 
there's a definite vision that that Dave had when making this album, and so that's why the original is far superior. But yeah, all criticism aside, the original version mm-hmm. is is what I'm talking about. So, cool. Insomnia is an excellent intro into this wildly different Megadeth album. Mm-hmm. You know, it really drops you in head first because it's like, oh my god, there's kind of this industrial vibe in the beat to it. Yeah, it's, it's it's so it's so wildly different. Than, Even the guitars, the guitars have almost an industrial feel where they've, they, yeah. they, 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 it's like they, I don't know what the word is, but you know, they clip in and out, like almost like they're, yeah. they're, they're, they've cut out all the reverb from the sides of it. So it's just, eh, 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 like, it's just a, yeah. I don't know what that would be called, but it sounds very industrial to me. It sounds more fuzzy than distorted is, is how I yeah. would describe it. Um, then you get Prince of Darkness, which has this like cool evil feel. Um, I have a question though. Like, how many people in rock and metal refer to themselves as the Prince of Darkness? Because I've heard Ozzy use it. Alice Cooper has been called it at times. <laughs> you know, now now fucking Dave is joining the club, and I I really do feel like that Ozzy Osbourne is the true Prince of Darkness. Agreed. I mean, I, I I mean it's a it's kind of a if you really look at it it's kind of a dumb. <laughs> moniker <laughs> the prince of darkness okay all right <laughs> but whatever you know it's like why would you why do you want to be the prince why why not the king of darkness yeah that, that sounds much better to me the fresh prince of darkness no, no oh <laughs> shit yeah I, I, there you go now i see a mashup coming up find a fresh prince song and an aussie song and <laughs> mash them together and call it the fresh prince of darkness i'm sure somebody already did it out there this is where but they do like awesome I, lo- I love that this is where this is where they reboot fresh prince but he's an emo rapper now <laughs> he's all edgy and shit <laughs> no that's that's will smith's son that's the, oh, the oh man emo rapper <laughs> But yeah, but seriously, if you're all like, you know, no, I'm not the king of darkness. I feel like I just want to be his kid. Like, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the, I'm not the king. I'm just the prince. Uh, here, here is the most glaring fuck up with the remastered version for me. All right. All right. All right. Enter the arena is a cool little interlude, right? Which would lead into Crush Him. Quite nicely, even. There was like a cross-dissolve kind of one going into the other. Whereas on the remaster, Enter the Arena is still there, but when it builds up, it gets to... Crush! Crush! (laughs) And then it just totally stops. And then the little like... Like kind of disco thing starts happening on Crush Him. Which totally disrupts is, the flow. That is just. I wonder if that's a if that's a an error in the streaming version of the album. I don't know what the. It's on the CD. It's on the CD. Oh, it's on the oh. pressed version, dude. Oh man. Yeah. So, it's that, a, so, li- so that alone goes to show you that Dave didn't really try very hard with these remixes. <laughs> he just. He probably went in there one day half asleep and just tweaked some shit and took some shit out and said, just put them out. Like, if he was going to do that, it would have made more sense to just delete track three and and move Crush Him forward a track. 
Yeah. Like, like when I hear that, I actually thought that was what the original did. And I was always yeah. like, that was, that was kind of pointless. And just, so, just so everybody knows, the reason we're actually blaming Dave and not like the record company is because when those came out, the big deal was remixed by Dave Mustaine. So it was like, oh, these are going to be good. And they were literally the complete opposite of good. <laughs> uh, but like, again, mass remix and remaster aside, this album does have some seriously redeeming qualities. Like, yeah. can considering the shit that it gets now i gotta say i love breadline like it's awesome mm -hmm. i i genu i'm genuinely glad that we got this album so that we could hear megadeth do more of a rock album than a metal one because they do this style remarkably well in my opinion yeah, yeah. despite having a history rooted in the thrash thing they somehow seamlessly in my opinion, did this did this transition through the nineties where they got more less and less metal and more and more rocky. And then this one was the ultimate, you know, final stand of that kind of era before they started backpedaling a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um then you get The Doctor is Calling, which is a cool spooky track. You know, I like that a lot. I'll Be There has an awesome sing along outro. Wanderlust is their dead or alive. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> it sounds a lot like dead or alive, but in a in a good way. Um, Ecstasy is a catchy, poppy tune. No metal in sight on this song, but it's still fun. Um, mm -hmm. Seven, to me, feels borderline Guns and Roses towards the end, like almost like how Paradise City really erupts at the end with that, you know, crazy solo kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then you get the uh, the little duo, the little suite called Time. And uh, Time, the beginning, is a somber and genuinely mature sounding track, which leads into Time, the end, which fittingly was the last track I listened to for these episodes. I actually had a certain order of albums yeah. So I, I listened to all of the later albums first because I was more familiar with the old ones and I wanted to make sure that I uh, had all my notes down for the first episode. But uh, yeah, it's a cool closer, especially the I see Kronos like his eye. Oh. It's yeah. like, it sounds genuinely cool. The, I it, it's the, the the songwriting on this album is really good, in my opinion. I, it's, yep. it, it, may, it may not sound like quote unquote megadeth but like like an album on its own like it's it people say that about a lot of albums if a different band had made it i think that it would have gotten a lot more respect because it's it's pretty damn good yeah i agree but yeah that is uh that is my number eight with risk awesome um but so clearly i also uh like risk so much so that risk is not my number eight ah um, no, my, uh, my number eight, so this is, this is interesting. I guess the, I guess these first couple aren't too interesting because I, it, it makes sense to me. Uh, but my number eight is cryptic writings, ah. which, so this is interesting though, because anyone that's listening to this, if you watched my Megadeth album ranking last year, the video version I did, cryptic writings was way lower on the list. Now it's in the top eight. And 
the reason why I moved it was because I started listening to, like we talked about last time, like when was the band pushing things forward and doing things that seemed like they were following their own path? And then when did it turn to where they were just going backwards so they could become old Megadeth again and it doesn't sound as inspired? So in re-listening to Cryptic Writings, sure, I still have some gripes about it because I think some of it sounds kind of samey and some of the songwriting is not that strong in my opinion. But the stuff that is strong is really strong and it sounds just in the, in the going in the order of, of Megadeth's you know, first however many albums, first I guess first eight albums, this one, it just feels like the next logical step from euthanasia with kind of paring things down and getting a little, even getting more melodic than before. But there's even some like faster shit on here too. And it doesn't seem like, oh, we got to throw this in here for good measure. It just seems like naturally that's how the songs happened. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I had to rank it higher because just, you know, my history of, of ranking on this particular show is me always talking about the journey a band takes you on and are they giving you something different and something new, even if it's a direction that I don't like as much because I do not like this album as much as Euthanasia. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, this, you know, it sounds way more inspired than anything they've done in the past 20 years. So, I mean... So it's I got I had to give him some credit, but there are a lot of strong songs on here. Obviously, you got like I think people love you know trust and and almost honest, but those those songs to me, while I do like them, it almost seemed like like Dave had kind of a structure of the kind of song he wanted to write, and he kept doing different versions of it. So you know like Symphony of Destruction, Angry Again, Trust, Almost Honest. It's like a mid mid tempo rocker with a melodic chorus um kind of thing and it's almost like he was it was a work in progress he's just trying to to knock out a fucking hit song which i guess he did talk about in his book and i honestly i don't understand why songs like trust and almost honest didn't become huge hits because they're really well written i mean they're they're technically they're pop songs to me which with, with metal riffs kind of sprinkled in yeah. Um, but yeah, cryptic writings to me, it just um, it's it's enjoyable to listen to in the in in the story of Megadeth, and um, really a, a lot of it has to do with, um, or I guess, just sounding sounding like they're not trying to do some other band or yeah. some other version of themselves. They just did what they did which a lot of bands were doing at the time. And honestly, I enjoy all of those albums. Whatever whatever path the band took, like depending on who we're talking about, if we're talking about this album or if we're talking about Testament doing demonic, things like that, like I don't really care. Like I'm just like, you know, even if it does feel like, well, why did they do this? This is totally different. It just feels like, okay, well, that why why would they not do anything different? If you're in a band and you've been doing a band for ten plus years, you, you got to switch things up, or you're going to get stuck. Yeah, you know. And sometimes switching things up does bring you back to a more honed in version of what you were already doing. And in other cases, you know, some bands I guess never look back, and then some bands eventually came back. But I really do think that 
Megadeth as much as I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think I've heard Dave talk about cryptic writings. I don't really know how he feels about it now, but um, it just feels um, like an honest album from a band that were just trying to. I don't know. Try. I know what they were trying. They were trying to do something unique for themselves, and so that's why I enjoy it, and that's why it's my number eight. Cool. So my number seven mm-hmm. is. So far, so good. So what? <laughs> I had to All read right. that. And I had to read it in Dave's voice. <laughs> that was that was good. <laughs> so, uh, into the lungs of hell is a kick-ass instrumental to kick off an underrated album, in my opinion. My, minus the horns. My. <laughs> <laughs> Another another ridiculous choice in the remixed version is it this perfectly fine song they had to throw in some horns doing the like and they sound fake as fuck they don't even sound like real horns so, so I'm told someone said that they're in the mix but buried like right at the end of the of oh the mix. so they're they're in the original you just can't hear them as well yeah I oh, I think I think they're in there but. I could be talking out of my ass right now, but I've seen a few people say, oh, I think they were in the original. They're just buried because they thought it was a bad idea. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to go back and really listen, but I don't remember them at all. I've heard that a lot. So anyway, in, in yeah, a way, so. in a way, I actually, I got to say, like when it comes to the remasters, I do get kind of a, a little smile on my face when I hear that because it is kind of like a... <laughs> It is kind of a ride into battle song, I can't lie. But you know, it, it does sound silly. So I can yeah. see why I do I do see why people can have a a reaction to it. Um set the world afire. Now this the verse riff in this is the only riff that could possibly rival my love for the conjuring breakdown riff. Like oh, yeah. Like these early thrash, like Megadeth albums, when they would break down to a like slight mid-tempo riff, it hits hard. It's I think it's because it comes like right after something that was really fast that it hits that much better. Because like they have like that, and then it just absolutely fucking rules. And I think Steven has completely frozen. I'm the I'm the host now. <laughs> Come on, Steven, send me the link. Hmm. Hello invitation, it's me again. That was weird. Yeah, I did some pretty good ad-libbing. I'm afraid you're going to have to leave that in. <laughs> Just, just so everybody knows, clearly there was <laughs> there was a technical malfunction, um, and I had a I had a cat filter on and everything. Like it was it was it was crazy. Anyway, so <laughs> we're let's uh, let's where were we? You were talking about the riff in uh, "Set the World Afire." Yeah, I, I let's uh, pick it back up. It's okay. I, th- I think I kind of covered it when you got face freeze, so it's 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 oh. all good. Okay, cool. It, <laughs> you'll you'll hear it in the final cut. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it was great. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll take your word. Um, and I totally agree with whatever it was that you were talking about. <laughs> Let's move on. Cool. So, uh, Anarchy in the UK. It's a Sex Pistols cover, and it it's fun. Um, Mary does it, Jane. Does it, does it bother you at all that he gets most of the lyrics wrong? I Did you I think know that? he was kind of. <laughs> Yeah, I think he was kind of like trying to adapt it to like a U.S. perspective, but I because you know he'll say USA, you know things and stuff. I, I don't well, know. No, he does. He does things like there's a point where he says the phrase "no dog's body," and I'm like, that's not uh, even the fucking. What is a dog's body? It's like I think he didn't. So here's the thing: he gets all these different lyrics wrong. Um, there's right. even there's even a part where Johnny Rotten goes like another council tendency or something like, and then Dave changes it to other cunt like tendency, and I'm just yeah. so so it's already annoying, but it's even more annoying <laughs> knowing knowing that fucking uh, uh, the guitar player of the Sex Pistols was there, he's on the track that he could oh, have shit. asked him what the fucking lyrics were. Yeah, Steve Jones <laughs> plays on the song. And it's almost, I, if I were David, I'd been like, hey, can you check these lyrics out? Because, I, I mean, I guess back then there was no internet, so we had to listen to Johnny Rotten and listen to what he was singing. And and th- th- there's, a, there's another one, too. There's another part that's like, um, oh, yeah, he says shopping spree, and that's not the original lyric. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm nitpicking. But it's only because I love that first Sex Pistols album so much that when somebody does a cover, yeah. I'm like, you got to fucking prove yourself, bitch. I'm not going to take this lightly. Anyway. I, th- I think in a way, I'd like to flip it on its head a little bit. Can you imagine if... Uh, t- what's, what's his name? Sex Pistol guitarist? Steve, uh, Jones? Steve Jones. Yeah, that's the one. Um, I like to think that he heard the wrong lyrics and thought it was funny. So he was just yeah, like, ah, it, fuck yeah, it. No. Let's prank him. <laughs> I'm so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah this this fucking american cunt is getting i can't, I can't do a british accent god damn it it's okay you, you get the pass yeah <laughs> i did call him a cunt although wait wait no he wouldn't call him a cunt because a cunt's not really an insult over there um it, it he, depends it's it's a it's a regional dialect i i, I, I feel like i feel like it, it's weird it's two different terms for vagina, but I feel like if you call somebody a cunt, sometimes you're being loving. But if you call them a twat, it's always bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like no, that's the bad vagina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, sorry. Oh, uh, that's okay. We got we got <laughs> we've got um, Mary Jane. Uh, it's got some melodic bits, some crazy bits. Uh, Five O Two is an awesome car chase song. Um, I find it hard to stay within the speed limit to it. I can't lie. Yeah. Kind of puts me in a mindset that I can't turn off. <laughs> um, oh, in my darkest hour, that spider crawl riff is fucking juicy. You know, da, 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 da. Yeah. And like yeah. the, the evil harmony that goes along with it. I remember sitting down and I had to learn it on guitar because I was like, that is one of the most sinister sounding things. I've I totally ever for, heard. I totally forgot. So that that was actually the second Megadeth song I ever heard because that song is in the movie Decline of Western Civilization Part Two: The Metal Years. 
And when I was a kid, I was a young, like probably 10 year old, 11 year old kid. And I watched the fuck out of that movie. I thought it was amazing. I still think it's amazing today. So I, so yeah, so that was, so that was some of my early Megadeth was, was that song. Oh man. Um, liar is angry mustaine at his finest you 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 fucking liar (laughs) um hook in mouth is an anti-pmrc call to arms anthem that thing's one of the best megadeth songs in my opinion i love that song yeah and i I love the closing line i'm not a fish i'm a man yeah hook it's 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 so furious as well but yeah it's I feel like it's it's one of those I think I've used this analogy before. It's a sandwich album. It's sandwiched between two highly successful ones and this is like it's kind of less successful filling. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. um I think it was the production that 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 screwed it. But in in a way it's got its own charm to it because it's it's quite scary sounding when you put it on. Yeah. And I think it I've seen people say that the artwork to this album is bad. I think in the same way that Killing Is My Business is creepy, the cover of this is terrifying because it's like it's like a practical effect from an 80s sci-fi horror. Yeah, and, and in context with other album covers that were coming out at the same time, it's unique because everyone yeah. was doing paintings and stuff like that. Um, and so the fact that this was like a almost like a video screen kind of thing yeah, like I, uh, I don't know. I I actually like the album cover. I, it's not like my favorite Megadeth album cover, but I, um, it's one of those ones that I would I would never change it. Like if you know yeah. if there was they were going to bring out a new version with a new cover, I'd be like, no, please please don't do that shit. <laughs> yeah, keep leave, it the same, dude. Leave it alone, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is that is my number seven with so far so good. So what? Cool, cool. We're uh, we're uh, so I'm I'm trailing a little bit behind you with my number seven. My number seven is Risk, um, ah. from 1999. I believe that's when that came out, right? Risk. Yeah. Um. So, that you said a lot of the things that I was going to say, uh, but and we talked about it about you, especially listening to the original m- mix of Risk. It was, I mean, everyone says it, it was a risk making this album, but I, it's, it's so much fun. It is an album that like, this was also lower down in my list previously, but just taking everything into context and then listening to it again in, in order, I'm just like, well, this is, I mean, I enjoy this way more than cryptic writings because they just went all in. They just said, yeah. you know, we're flirting with these different things here and there. You know what? Let's just go all the way and see where it takes us. And it 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 rises to the top for me, to the top seven, simply because it's enjoyable because they never went back and did something like this again. And it's not bad. Yeah. There's literally nothing bad about this album. It's just different. Like I could say, like you, as much as you like Breadline, Breadline has a little bit of cheesiness in it to me. Yeah, but I I like I like cheesy. Yeah, <laughs> um, especially that little guitar riff that plays after the chorus. That <laughs> like that part, I'm yeah. like, holy shit, that was <laughs> that's very very poppy. But um, <laughs> but I just I the, 
everything about this album, the the way that it sounds sonically is so interesting. There's so many things going on in a lot of the songs, and it just sounds there's an energy to it that comes from. I feel like 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 I don't know about the whole band, but I feel like Dave was riding some sort of a wave of creativity where he's just like, I this this is taking me here. This is where I have to go. And no, I can you think of another album from 1999 that sounds like Risk? Like I understand that it has elements of other things, but the combination of stuff that makes up Risk, there weren't a lot that, of albums that sounded like that. Yeah, it, I would have been. I think this album would have been way lower down if if he'd just copped out and hopped on the new metal thing. But he was yeah. still doing. He was there isn't an ounce of new metal on this record. And I think that's another like, reason why I like it because you not, by 1999, Corn were superstars. Yeah, and so he could have easily done that, but he didn't do that. And that's those are the kind of things that I enjoy. Even though I don't like, if you if you literally are going to come up to me and hold Rust in Peace in one hand and Risk in the other hand, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here with Risk. What are you doing? <laughs> but on its own, on its own merit, I'm just, I mean, it's, it's, it's good and it's, it gets so much shit, but I think it gets shit from, I, I, I talked about it in the last episode, the immature metal morons that it's almost like they don't care about songwriting or variety or, uh, originality or just, I don't know, good album making it just has to be fast and brutal. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what anything else is. They're, they're not listening yeah. to songs. It's just a, it's almost just like a, uh, uh, there's just a, there's a really short checklist that the fans yeah. have and then that's it. So like you could put <laughs> out the shittiest straightforward, fast metal album and they'd be like, album of the year, man, album of the year. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? It sounds like 50 other fucking albums, but just because it's fast and heavy, and you know, there's a lot of you know riffing and guitar soloing, even though they all sound <laughs> like other riffs and guitar solos you've heard before. It doesn't matter. Like I hear that every single year, people coming out with like, "You got to hear this album. It's like the best thing I've heard in years." I'm all like, "I've I've heard this every year <laughs> from like yeah. every band puts yeah. out these albums every year," and <laughs> that's why I get so bored with so much metal. And so it just sucks that so many of these quote unquote metalheads are so like it's it's so rigid. Like you have, yeah. you have to be in this one little narrow lane, and if you go anywhere else, you're a poser, and you no longer matter anymore. And so, when I hear Risk, I go, "It's a fuck you to all those people." Yeah, and I like saying "fuck you" to those people. That's like a, it's one of my favorite things to do. So, <laughs> I almost feel like you know, Risk is just like the the it's it Risk is even heavier than. Than uh, some of their early albums because of the weight that it brings in them just saying fuck you we're just here's what we're doing because they there was no guarantee that it was going to be successful and guess what it wasn't so I don't know in the end it it it's it's aged very well in my opinion I didn't really like it that much when it came out but um, I think it's great now that's why it's number eight number yeah, seven my number seven yeah. I think you said it last time where Lars Ulrich said, I didn't get into the band have fucking rules. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so true. And I'm, I have the same mentality when it comes to music. You know, I don't want a band 
to decide what they're going to sound like for the rest of their career on their debut. Yeah. You know? And also, I don't think there's anything wrong. It's like people use terms like sellout and corporate and stuff like that just because a band decides they want to reach more people. And if if I was in a band, I would do the same exact thing, especially when you're a band like Megadeth or, you know, Metallica, Anthrax, whoever, those bands that, you know, had a number of albums before they started to go in a different direction. But I just think that that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to have that, that opinion that trying to reach more people is a bad thing. And yeah. even if that, even if that was solely the, the decision making, if that was Dave's only, only idea was, I just want to make an album that's going to sell a lot so I can buy another house. If, even if that's what it was, it's still a fucking good album, but I know that's not what he did. I know that yeah. he, I know that he had a goal. He wanted to have a you know a big album and big songs, but I think it's what it's what he felt. It was his truth. He was being honest. It's like with cryptic writings, he was being almost honest, and with risk, <laughs> he was being honest. See what I did there? Um, so so I, yeah, it's just it's it sucks that that there are so many people that I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, it's their lives. If they, if that's the way they want to live their life, that's fine. But you and I can enjoy risk for what it is. And that's the thing. Like there's no shame in not liking something, but it's when it applies to everything that, that you, you feel like there's a correct way to do things. Yeah. I think that's, that's the issue. You know, I'll, turn around and say um you know a lot of metalcore doesn't appeal to me but i'll hear the odd song and i'll think that breakdown is fucking really well placed yeah and is really effective and you know i'll save the odd track here or there but you know at the end of the day would you want to play the same thing for the rest of your life probably not i wouldn't but i mean (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I guess I guess it's one of those things. I guess a lot of the people that do complain are people that don't know how to do it. Yeah, like they don't, don't they don't they don't play, they don't write songs and they definitely haven't been in a band like Megadeth. <laughs> so yeah. so they just have no no clue. But I think even, you know, the big problem even even then is is just every they try to assume that they like boil everything down to one thing like they have they feel like they know what their thought process was and then clearly it's all boiled down to just they wanted money and they sold out that's it and i'm all like there's every if you if you have half a brain you know that nothing is that simple in life and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what it is so i don't know we could talk about this for an entire episode i just i just uh <laughs> it just it, it bums me out that an album that's pretty damn good gets shit on uh for yeah, really no, really speaking. no good reason no good reason at all aside from i mean yeah. not liking it is one thing if it's not your cup of tea if you go if you want to go to megadeth and this isn't what you wanted that's fine but i don't know <laughs> i ran, ran out of steam right there <laughs> it's it's just one of those conundrums where if another band released it it might have been more successful, sure. but it's because I think it's because they're called Megadeth. You know, you, <laughs> yeah. You ex you expect <laughs> you go into it expecting a certain thing, and when you don't get that certain thing, it can bum you out. But divorce 
the thrash element from it. This is a damn fine rock record. There's nothing glaringly wrong with it. The only yeah. the only thing that makes it suffer is its tag, you know? But um yeah. So that's your that's, number That's seven? my number seven, yep. Nice. So my number six. Now this might be a controversial placement. Okay. So I've put at number six. I'm hanging on to my seat because I know that the, thra <laughs> the thrash police are going to come and kick my ass. Peace sells, but who's buying? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to protect you. <laughs> I'm going to let them come for you right now. <laughs> okay. So obviously it made it to the, to the top episode and I love yeah. it. I love this fucking album so much and it has my favorite riff on it. Well, favorite Megadeth riff. Um, but I'm just going to jump straight in and give it all the praise it deserves. But it. somehow did not let it climb further up my ranking. So Wake Up Dead is extremely ambitious, like right out of the gate. It's one of the most weirdly structured collections of excellent riffs smashed together into this masterpiece opener mm -hmm. that should not make sense at all. And yet it's perfect. Like it, this is true creativity at its finest because it's not following any of the rules. There's no chorus. It, I don't think any of the sections once they've happened repeat. And oh, it's so it's just such a fucking cool way to open it. And that like groovy riff at the end, like oh, da, I, I da, love that. Da, 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 That's da, da, one of my da, favorite transitions ever. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. Um, the Conjuring has one of my top 10 riffs of all time in it. That I'm assuming that we're talking about that. That's fucking tasty. It's so well placed. My God. Yeah. It's fucking killer. Peace Cells. Now, GTA gets a plug, but this time it's for Vice City instead of San Andreas. Oh, okay. And this is on the V-Rock radio station, uh, and it's part of, like, the thrash, the quote-unquote thrash power hour or something, or, like, mm -hmm. you know, Laszlo's No Commercials Hour or whatever it's called. That song, but, that um, song will always be... Because of my memory and the number of times I heard it, it will always be associated with MTV News. Because yeah, the MTV News... This is the news. Well, no, yeah. no. It's because the, the actual MTV News, when they would have... They would... Like, in between videos, they would break in and be like, oh, here's a, here's a little five-minute news thing or a little news thing where they tell you a story about somebody. And at the very end of it, it would go, MTV News. You hear it. boo do 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 First. Like that's no the way, way. It's the, they use the peace cells riff in the end of it. And I heard that so many times when I was young that I'm just like, <laughs> every time I hear it, I go, Oh, MTV news. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I know I've already, I've already screwed you up today with one thing that you'll never unsee. By the way, oh, I know this, I know this is another mention of kiss on the podcast, but have you ever noticed the distribution of the KISS logo around the border of Dress to Kill, once you notice the one missing S 
from one of the kisses. Yeah. You will never unsee it he, and it will bother you for life. Yeah. And Eddie, Eddie told me about it and I grabbed my record and first went, I don't see any problem here. And then I saw it. There's, it says kiss all the way around the border. And then for some reason they ran out of room on one side. And so it's just kiss with one S. <laughs> that album was definitely rushed. Oh, uh, uh, man. This is the other thing that you're never going to unhear. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> Devil's Island is a galloping, violent thrasher. And at the end, when they're going, Devil's Island! Yeah. I start. I, I was kind of drunk when I was listening to it, and I heard it as nipple salad, and it <laughs> fucked me up. <laughs> nipple salad! <laughs> and, and, yeah. Good luck on hearing I'm that. Just gonna, I'm just going to try to forget that. <laughs> I feel sorry for the listener right now. They're never going to hear that s- the same way again. <laughs> uh, and then you get good morning, spelt good morning, as in like death. So like with a U in it, which is fucking edgy. Yeah. Um, and then you get obviously Black Friday on is the next part of it. Now this is the quote unquote fourth track half ballad on the album and i just want to plug it here as well this has one of the most recognizable lead guitar tones of all time i've never heard this specific chris poland lead tone anywhere else in metal like it's got a certain feel to it that's unmatched definitely gotta Uh, give some kudos to chris poland that dude amazing guitar player for sure um and and here here is where he gets another little little bit of a uh, little bit of credit he deserves. Uh, Bad Omen, the Pac-Man noise solo is one of the coolest things I've ever heard. <laughs> that like descending lick where it's like, but it sounds weird. Yeah. It doesn't sound like he's picking it. It sounds, you know, it sounds like Pac-Man just got. Is that is that ghost. Poland or Mustaine that does that lead? I don't even I don't remember. Uh Either, either or, but the tone makes it sound that way, and it and it's fucking awesome. Um, I ain't superstitious. Now, thrash bands in the eighties would do like novelty covers a lot, yeah. Which is it, and I and you know this is a blues song played through a thrash rig, and it's it's pretty cool. The the eighties were great for stuff like that. <laughs> um, but my god, my last words still to this day is one of my favorite double kick runs to play on drums of all time. This song mm-hmm. essentially taught me the triplet feel on the on the feet. The that is the song that comes to mind when I think about learning double kick. Like and it burns your fucking calves by the end of it because it lasts so goddamn long. <laughs> oh I bet, um, I bet. Oh yeah, um, Gar Samuelson is the drummer on this album, and he is—he was yeah. insane, absolute madman. But uh, yeah, it's an awesome album. But it's—it's—it's it's got five above it that I love even more. So I—I uh, I, I can't fault you for that. I—I—I I, I, I don't. Uh... I don't agree with the uh, with the <laughs> placing, but you know that's 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 the fun of this is that you know we don't have to agree necessarily. Um, 
So, but I, but I am g- touching back again on one that you already talked about for my number six, and this is one where, uh, this is the one where the number six and number five actually just switched places earlier today because I had to sit down and think to myself, okay, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to look at things from two different angles, one from what I enjoy and one from what I think is what's better or worse in regards to their catalog and and the directions that they were going. And so this particular album is the one that I will go to more often, but I had to give it a step down just for the songs are, in my opinion, are not as good um, as the one after it. So, uh, um, yeah, my number six is So Far, So Good, So What? This is getting into classic territory for me where um, I, th- I like this album. I like how it originally sounded. I, I, I know the production of this album is probably my least favorite of their 80s stuff, just the way that it sounds. But over the years, it's just become like this is what this album sounds like. Like, like we talked about with yeah. the album cover. The album cover looks how it looks. It sounds like it sounds. I like that. It's history of Megadeth right there. When you start fucking with things... That I just I don't like that because then why yeah. why did they even put out the album in the first place if you're just gonna go and change it later George Lucas like why would you why would you fuck with things you know what I'm saying I, ironically ironically the lyric little man with a big eraser changing history is on this album yeah so yeah like why change it <laughs> I I don't I don't understand but um. This album is just classic, and like I said, this is, you know, my intro into Megadeth was um, Anarchy in the UK, their cover, and, you know, In My Darkest Hour. And I, there's the, the, the reason why this album is a little bit lower for me, even though I do really like it, it has to do with the fact that I really do think that it's, um, it's uh, uneven because, to me... Like I like all of the songs. I like Into the Lungs of Hell going into Set the World of Fire. Those are those are good songs. And the Anarchy in the UK, I'm a little iffy on that. Mary Jane is a is a pretty good song. 502 is a pretty good song. And then the last three songs are fucking amazing. So it goes yeah. from being a good album to ending on an amazing high note with In My Darkest yeah. Hour, Liar, and Hook and Mouth. Like it's the everything goes up a notch at that point for me. And so, you know, it's like, it's almost like if I go, if I, if I, if the album ends and it goes back to the beginning, I go, oh, well, these are, these are good, but there's they're nowhere near as good. Like, and all, and honestly, in, in listening to it in relation to Peace Cells and Rust in Peace, some of the guitar playing seems a little sloppy, like, especially the yeah. rhythm on the rhythm side of things. And not like, it's like, it, it, maybe they just did it through in one take or something, and if there was a little bit of lag or something, they just let it go. I don't know what it was, but overall, this one just feels like the, like you said, it's the sandwich album. It's, it happens to be in between two amazing albums, and this one's great. But yeah. if you're talking about a band starting off with their debut and then going to peace cells, the, the, the between those two, that is an amazing progression. And then this one's kind of like ah. Uh, we're kind of in the same area and some of it's a step up, some of it's not. And then they took a much larger step up the next album. So that's why this one, um, I had to put it down lower 
because I just think it's got it's got a lot of flaws. Even though I love those flaws now, but um, yeah, but just I got to be fair, and so that's why um, so far so good. So what ends up here at my number six? All right, so on to your number five. Right on, cool. So my number five, we've we've, we've cracked the top five. Now I just want to say. When I structured this episode, each two albums, apart from like the top spot, each two albums could switch any day of the week. But my number five, as it stands right now, is Hidden Treasures. Oh, oh shit. I forgot you hadn't talked about this one yet. Yeah. Um, so this one to me does have some more memorable songs than others. And, mm-hmm. and it, it is a compilation of, of B-sides and unreleased songs and covers and whatnot. But the strong songs like shoved it so much further up the ranking. Yeah. And I'll just jump right in. Do it. It's what I do. So uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy is a fun cover of Alice Cooper's classic song. Dave's vocals often have some very Alice Cooper-like moments in Megadeth anyway. So they're a good pairing stylistically with like the evil talking kind of thing. And it was Um, was from the movie Shocker. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but... um, I need to see it, but I'm aware of the fact. It's it's bad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, it's it's bad and I feel like you'll enjoy it. It's bad in an eighties way, which means it's it's Eddie Sparks gold. It's just it's just got a lot of what the fuck kind of things in it, where I'm just like, oh, what, who wrote this movie? <laughs> but, it's, but it's definitely fun. Oh man, are we are we talking like just low budget or oh, no, like no. a tra- a, a Trans Am with breasts or something? Are no, neither really one of those things. You'll have to watch it to know what I'm talking about. But it's definitely not special effects wise because the whole ending part of the movie, like literally the, well, I won't give anything away, but the way that, that things happen at the end of the movie, I still look at it and go, that's pretty fucking cool. It still looks pretty cool today. Um, but it's more just the storyline of what actually ends up happening. And the, just the, the gist of it, I just go, what? Okay. <laughs> but you know, I'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll find it somewhere. But, um, yeah, then you, then you get break point, which is a frantic thrasher, yeah. which was in the, Super Mario Brothers movie was it? I Is never that saw that movie, so I don't really know. But I know that's the, it's on the soundtrack, I believe. That's fucking hilarious. Um, then then you get Go to Hell. This mm-hmm. is one of those songs that that really bumped it up. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey soundtrack, and it has one of the coolest ascending slash descending harmonized guitar moments ever. With that. Like, even thinking about it now, like, I want to go listen to it right now because now I've thought of that part. And it's very well used in that scene in the movie where the evil Bill yeah. and Ted are taking the good Bill and Ted to the top of the cliff. Like, it's yeah. um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a well-utilized little cinematic nugget yeah. in the song. Um, Angry Again is so fucking good. Last they Action Hero, a, a, a criminally yeah. underrated movie, in my opinion. I think that's such a fun movie. One of my favorite scenes is where they go into that like movie store and they see Stallone as a cardboard cutout oh, of yeah. the Terminator 2. Yeah. Is now am I mistaken? 
is the girl in the record it sorry in the in the blockbuster or wherever they are the same girl from the cherry pie video by warren oh is that i don't Bobby know brown i have no idea i don't i, I think, actually don't I remember she's in it who the girl was maybe it is maybe somebody out there knows probably it's a pretty rocking movie so i could i could uh i can imagine it like, <laughs> what's the what's the line he says in the car the fighting the bad guys the hard rock music i'm in an action movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh um uh here we go 99 ways to die is my favorite megadeth song hands down favorite it's favorite megadeth song it's a great song from a great compilation yeah Yeah, easily my favorite that i think that's what put it on this on this part of the ranking that would so that that um, was included on the beavis and butthead experience which, which is a good which is a fun ride it's listening got, to that it's got anthrax doing a beastie boys song it's got it's got them i think it's got white zombie on it it's got uh aerosmith it's got a lot of oh nirvana fucking an unreleased yeah. nirvana song is on there and it's and it's um it's got little skits as well yeah. with Beavis and Butthead in between. It's Run DMC. Run DMC is on there as well. That's awesome. And I think Sir Mix a lot. Man, that's a lot of good shit on that. Yeah, I might have to I might have to listen to that after this episode. I got, a, I got, a, I got an OG vinyl of it. They only released it in a pic, in a picture disc form. You can get a new oh, wow. you can get a newer version of it on picture disc. I don't know where you would look for it, but um it's just cool because the very it's the front the Side A has the cover of the album. Then side B is a picture of Beavis and Butthead in in a dryer spinning around in a circle. So as your record yeah. spins around, Beavis and Butthead are spinning around in the dryer. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. Oh man. Um their cover of Paranoid. I have to hand it to him. It's my favorite cover of Paranoid because of that little blooper at the end. Of of Nick continuing yeah. to play the song on drums, and you just hear Dave in the mic, Nick, 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 <laughs> and then you get, you get a little bit of the real Dave coming out there. Yeah. <laughs> then you got Diadems is is a cool song, strange but cool, and then Problems is another fun Sex Pistols cover. Um, but yeah, that is that is Hidden Treasures. It's 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 a compilation of a bunch of badass album quality songs and i think like, people will be happy we included it too because i when i did my original ranking i didn't include it because it's not a full-length album you know and people were like what yeah. about hidden treasures and i was like all right well you know now we now we got it now we talked about hidden yeah. treasures we have filled the void cool so moving on to my number five this is the one that switched places with so far so Ooh. good so what because i went back to listen to it and i was just listening to the songs and the songwriting and the performances and once again, I feel like this is kind of an underrated album. Uh, my number five is Euthanasia. Ooh. And um, honestly, like I said, if, 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 you, if I have So Far, So Good, So What and Euthanasia in front of me, I'm going to listen to So Far, So Good, So What pretty much every time. But I got to hand it to them with Euthanasia. Just uh, like I've said, the progression of what they were doing from Countdown to Extinction to this I don't like this album as much as Countdown to Extinction, but something about this album that it feels like they took so much care with the with crafting the songs, and it wasn't in a technical thrashy riffy kind of way. It was in a 
a melodic kind of way. And honestly, yeah. this is th this has the best Dave Mustaine vocals of any Megadeth album to me because he's he sounds great in his range. It's like I was saying, he can't do it anymore, unfortunately. But he used to be able to do this lower stuff and then this really high stuff. And I think the really high stuff, he got great at it around euthanasia, where he just yeah. sounded like a good singer to me. And it's got so many like it's it's interesting because it has a very uh mainstream quality to it but if you're really listening to the songs they're it's they're none of them seem like they were made to be radio ready maybe train of consequences has that vibe but most of the other ones they don't really feel like they could they could have been played on the radio you know, maybe a Toot Lamon, but that ended up being another single from it. But everything else, like, you know, like I love, especially the chorus of Elysian Fields, just the way that yeah. sounds. Elysian Fields. Like and then you have the other yeah. harmony with it. Like so many interesting choices when it comes to that. And it just, the, to me, it, Euthanasia just sounds like a, a, a band who, who have matured and know what the fuck they're doing. And they're just like, yeah. don't worry, we got this. And they just write these really great songs. So this comes lower down on the list than other ones for me because there's not as many exciting moments. It's all really good, but it's a little bit all too mid-tempo for me. Like it doesn't, it rarely gets faster or even slower. It all seems to be in the same sort of area tempo-wise. And that's the thing that drags it down because it doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's enough variety, even though the songs that are on there are really strong. And so, yeah, I, th I think that, it, that this, honestly, if you're talking, I, I've said this before, if Megadeth and Metallica had both stopped making albums in the 90s, like let's, well, let's, let's say that they stopped here. So... When did this one come? When did Euthanasia come out? Euthanasia was 94? 94, yeah. Okay, so let's say that that they put out Euthanasia and then Metallica puts out Load and then they both break up. I would say Megadeth won that. Between the two albums, I think Euthanasia is a way stronger album than Load. Agreed. And, and I... I share the same sentiments. So it's interesting to think about these two bands that, you know, you know, maybe, you know, they, in certain ways they were battling it out, but with fans, they definitely battle it out. But if you take it right then, Metallica is my favorite band of all time. And I love load, but coming at, coming at it from a critical, you know, uh, viewpoint with songwriting and production and, and just overall presentation, I'm like, man, Euth yeah. euthanasia is just a, a better album overall. And so it's interesting to me. So that's why I think it's just underrated. Here, here is probably my hottest take as a huge Metallica fan. Metallica is also my number one favorite band. Um, but I'm going to have to say, with the notable exception of the Black Album, I think Megadeth won the 90s with the quality and quantity of output. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, comparatively speaking, Metallica killed it in the 80s like fucking hands down but if if you lump the black album in with that like first five album era because i i still feel like you know people people say oh they changed on the black album i still think the black album has that classic vibe to it whereas 
when you get to load, it's where I start to see some cracks in there. Not well, I that think, I hate it. But, yeah, I, yeah. I, feel, I feel like you, you've got a point because I do think that there's a lot. It's still the Black Album is still very heavy and does have a lot of metallic elements. I almost feel like with the Black Album, they have they still have one foot in their old stuff and the other foot in this newer stuff. But then with Load, yeah. they've completely stepped over onto the other side. And so, yeah, yeah I, I would agree with that. But yeah, if you're talking 90s, you have Rust in Peace and Countdown to Extinction and Euthanasia. Not to mention, you yeah. know, Cryptic Writings and Risk are both good albums too. So yeah, if you're if you're comparing the amount of output, as much as I love the Black Album, yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with you on Megadeth winning the 90s. Yeah, but... Um... Yeah, that's 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 my little <laughs> that's my little hot take there. So yeah, so but, so um, but I'm done with euthanasia. It's 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 my number five. Um, I think it's a great album, and um, it it is weird doing these rankings because it does really get me to think about some of these albums that I don't. I may, I may not want to listen to it often, but if but really listening to it, I go, man, this is it's good. I, it's undeniably yeah. good to me. So that's why it's my number five. It's a rewarding experience, this podcast, because it gives me an opportunity to listen to albums that I otherwise just wouldn't pay attention to yeah. and like maybe get another favorite out of it. So, uh, yeah, so my number four, my number four mm-hmm. is Countdown to Extinction. Wow, this is not, this is not going how I thought. <laughs> my, my Megadeth list is possibly like, it's definitely up there with one of the most surprising, but... Uh, yeah, we've got Skin of My Teeth opens this bad boy up. It's a badass, hard-rocking, fun metal track to open up the record. I don't think there's a better opener on this album. Um, Symphony of Destruction is iconic as hell. That bass line is ace. Just that. Yeah. It's so simple, but so effective. And uh, like my little flip-up last time with saying David Ellison is on Endgame, <laughs> which he isn't. I, I, Megadeth's bass tone choices are underrated because they they just fucking rule. Yeah. Um, architecture of aggression has this cool feel that as a drummer I've never been able to wrap my head around how the feel changes at the start because you get that like it's really confusingly placed fill. I also that's I think that's my favorite song on this album. And it, a really? lot, uh, yeah, a lot of it has to do with the chorus because I love choruses where the the rhythm of the words don't go the way that you would expect them to go. Just the fact yeah. that the ignition up on the bones of the dead with just the way that the, it bounces yeah. in there. I'm just like, man, that's like that, that's an amazing songwriting choice right there. And then, of course, yeah. it's, it's really cool always to sing along to the praise your architecture of aggression. Of aggression. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love that song. It is a badass chorus. And it, it, it's almost not that it not that it is, but it has like it would sound good as like a rap in that kind of bouncy feel. Like you say, like great nations built from the bones with the dead. Oh, yeah. Is it, yeah, like, you can, I can see that. That's. I just love that kind of shit. I just, I just love any any band that 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 surprises me with some element of their song. Usually, it's going to be vocally because it's easy to write something that just goes right in with the riffs that you wrote. And it, and when you don't yeah. do that, I'm just like, that's fucking great because it's those are the I don't know that that's just great songwriting. 
yeah, oh, Foreclosure of a Dream. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a great slower heavy metal song. Uh, Sweating Bullets was my fate was my favorite for a while because it was my introduction to Megadeth through Guitar Hero Five, yeah. and I fu- fucking loved it then, and still love it as immensely now. Uh, and uh, this was my life is a cool but immensely melodic hooky song. Yeah. It's like that's the riff in the chorus is so melodic, but everything going on, it still has that heavy feel, but it was such a shift. It count down to extinction, like that the title track's lyrical themes actually earned Megadeth the uh, Humane Society's Genesis Award, making them the only metal band to be given this honor. Fun, fun little fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, High Speed Dirt is badassery personified, yeah. and the the little acoustic solo part, is a nice touch that I always look forward to on this album. Like When I get about three tracks in, I'm like... Are we at that like cool acoustic solo part yet? <laughs> can, can we can we get to that part? I love that. Um, Psychotron, silly but fun. Yeah, like yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, it captive honor, strangely structured track, and your soul better belong to Jesus because <laughs> your, your ass, ass belongs, belongs to me. To me. <laughs> Uh, Ashes in Your Mouth is a killer choice for a closer and the harmonized guitars give me goosebumps every time yeah that's an amazing album closer yeah and I know we shit on the remasters but I gotta hand it to the little bonus track Crown of Worms which is a fun track to listen to and I didn't realize for a while because Countdown outside of the greatest hits was the first album I bought mm-hmm. and it was before I knew it was remastered or anything like that. This was before I realized that the little spine makes up a photo of, of Vic Rattlehead's face. That's oh. the main reason I bought the, you, you're the a big fan of that. Them. You're a big fan of the spines making a picture. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got, th- I've got three of those. I've got Iron Maiden, Judas Priest and Megadeth. But um, yeah, Crown of Worms is a fun bonus track on that one. Cool. Admittedly. But um, yeah, Countdown to Extinction, number four. I love it, just not as much as my top three. Sweet. So with for my number four, we're going to rewind. Go all the way back to the beginning. My number hey. four is Killing is My Business and Business is Good. And this, God, man, this album is just so fucking good. It's, it's, this, so the top four here to me are just, some of my favorite metal albums ever made. And I just love the attitude and, and um, try, I I, I guess you call it like a, almost like a pissing contest or one upmanship (laughs) with the, the songwriting and riff writing and performances on this album. It's just like, like I I said it last time, this album is like the, uh, the ultimate mic drop album. Like, it's just like all these metal bands putting out these albums and Mega's just like, here you go. (laughs) <laughs> you know, <laughs> not, not, nice try, guys. But here's <laughs> here's us being completely complete maniacs. <laughs> and I love the original mix of this album. People will complain that it sounds bad. No, it sounds raw in an amazing way. But I love that. I love 
all, a lot of my favorite metal from the eighties is the less polished stuff that has a yeah. little, that's why I like thrash so much. Cause thrash takes a little bit from the punk rock world, you know, into the music. And I like that. Like I, as much as I love bands like Maiden, Maiden to me is kind of uh, an anomaly in with my musical taste because most bands that sound similar to Maiden, I don't really like. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't want songs to sound like you're supposed to be wielding a big sword while you're singing a song. <laughs> I, I, I don't. That's not my thing. So but your your favorite era, if I if I remember correctly, is is the Paul Diano era yes. anyway, which is as raw as Maiden would ever be. Yeah, that's why I love those albums because it does as as much as they won't admit it have a punky quality to it, and I like that. I just like <laughs> the rawness. But the thrash metal is that I, mean, I guess with Iron Maiden, I like the combination of that attitude and vibe along with great musicianship and riffs and stuff like that. And um, Killing Is My Business has all that shit. And um, I like the original version with the original uh, these boots. Um, it's the it's the only cover song that they put on an album that I actually enjoy, and I think it's it, it adds to the album. the The next two albums, the cover songs, I'm like, eh, you can get rid of those. Uh, but this one, it's also this is just the beginning of it all. Like, yeah. Um, and it's just like when you listen to this album, and then you think that like you know ten years later they would be gearing up to they would be doing you know euthanasia would have happened 10 years later that's yeah. fucking insane that that is a progression of a band right there and that's how you fucking do it like you don't don't get complacent with your shit but just because i enjoy where they ended up going does not mean that i don't fucking love where they started and this man, yeah. this, it's just such a it's like a fun ride of an album that never gets old to me and it's still there's still riffs all over this album that I go, I don't even really know how to play that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, funny enough, the one that everybody brings up is the main riff from Rattlehead, and I'm like, I, that's not that hard to play, guys. Yeah, that's just you As long as you can get your... Fa- yeah, as long as you can... If you can pick fast, which I can do, the rest of it's pretty easy. But yeah. um, well, just that Love riff anyway. Love to death. Now, oh, that's, a, that's a fucking hard riff to play. Yeah. There's 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 several riffs that I that I never even tried. I just go, you know what? And and that's the weird thing. Me as a musician and a songwriter, there's a part of me that doesn't want to go past a certain area. Like I have a sweet spot with songs that I write and music that I play because I love still being able to listen to things like that and watch guitar players and go, that's fucking amazing. Cause I don't, I, yeah. first, I feel like it'd be boring to be like, oh, I could fucking play that. I could do that. Yeah. But I can't do that. And for some reason that just makes it so much more enjoyable to me. I don't want to learn how to play those songs and I never will. I'm too old to do that now, but you know, <laughs> I can play, I can play <laughs> symphony of destruction. God damn it. <laughs> I, I have, I have like a, a fun idea for a sketch and that I just thought of and it's like a guitar player who is like the most renowned guitar player of all time and he's like on the top of the world literally a god and yet he's depressed because he can play everything there's nothing for him to look forward to and his name is Ingve Malmsteen (laughs) (laughs) something like that I don't don't like donuts (laughs) how can how can less be more more, more is, is more. more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know so little about that guy, but I love that quote. Oh, it's great. Anyway, so uh, it's, 
Go the on. philosophy of 80s metal condensed into a single sentence. Yeah. How can less be more? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Killing Is My Business is great. Amazing debut. I love this album. And it's just, it's it it it's got the 80s, you know, vibe. Not not the yeah. not the big reverb 80s vibe, but the you know, band on their way up kind of vibe that yeah, I just the more stripped back side. It's just so enjoyable to me. So um so that's why it's here at my number four. Now, here's one you might agree with being in the top three. All right. <laughs> okay. So my number three is Rust in Peace. I, I, I absolutely agree with it being in the top three. <laughs> I agree with it being higher than that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it goes without saying, Holy Wars, The Punishment Do is one of the thrash songs. It's one of the Hangar best eight. album openers ever, in my opinion. Yeah. Like it's, you put it the kicks... needle down on that thing, once it's off and running, I'm just like, man, this album, it's just, it's, un, it's yeah. unfuckwithable. Unfuckwithable is a good way to describe this. Um, Hangar 18 is also mm. another one of those the thrash songs. Yeah. Um, but it's, 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 these, both of these songs are weird at the same time. Like they have a lot of strange changes in them and, and, you know, with that cool, like, uh, Eastern in the previous song. Yeah. As it descends with like the, and it doesn't, it doesn't, and then, it doesn't have a chorus. Yeah. And, and then obviously in Hangar 18, it completely changes the feel, like split down the middle of the song. Yeah. Like there's that, it, it just goes full Egypt mode. How about halfway through? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing is that people talk a lot about, you know, the big trade off solos happening in Hangar 18, but I'm fucking more interested in that goddamn riff. Like that every oh, time yeah. that part, oh my God, it's so good. There's so much, like the riffs that they wrote around this time, that mm. nobody wrote riffs like that. And they were, they, j- and it's, it's this era, I mean, it was, it's even before this era of the band, but especially when they got Marty and Nick on board, their, oh, their sure. songs had this thing where Megadeth had a swing that other bands didn't have. Yeah. There's a, there's a swing to it. That's so cool. And they don't really do that anymore, unfortunately. It's been years since I've really heard the the Megadeth swing. But man, it's Yeah. It's it doesn't really it's, happen much anymore. Occasionally it does, but it's it's pretty rare. But man, that song songs like Hangar 18, the the end part of that, just the way that that riff Yeah. It's it's so good. It's almost like a a, a rhythmically precise swagger. Yeah. Like everybody's in time, but everybody's in time with the same swing. Yeah. So nobody is like remotely off, but they're all just rock and rolling. It's a cool way to put it. Shit, really. shit and you watch you watch, there. You can find it on online if if you search uh, Megadeth performances from 1990 and 91 too, especially when they went on like you know the the Clash of the Titans tour. Th- yeah. This lineup of the band so fucking amazing like yeah. literally the like four of the best musicians just playing these great songs and they play them faster <laughs> than yeah they, than they are on the <laughs> album but every time i just you know I, I i go back and watch this one performance from from them from that time period and i'm just always looking and i go this is 
This is literally as good as it gets when it comes to metal yeah. performances to me. I just want to I just want to give a little bit of bit of love to the late Nick Menza. Hell yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. He I don't think I ever saw a Megadeth performance where he wasn't smiling his ass off the entire time. And you he's a drummer. And, and he's a drummer who's not only an amazing drummer, but he's fun to watch also on top of that. Yeah. He, you knew that he loved what he did because totally. I've never, se- I've never seen him play without at least a big old cheesy grin on his face. Yeah. Like you can't see it right now, but I'm smiling my fucking cheeks off and it's <laughs> but it's in a way it's that's kind of how he went out to put you know a positive spin on such a tragic end yeah he yeah. he died on stage behind his kit yeah and he died doing what he loved yeah i mean it's it's, it's unfortunate i it's also unfortunate that he didn't nothing big happened for him after megadeth yeah. Like, honestly, I, as much as I love him as a drummer, it, what band was he in after Megadeth? Was there one? Let's do it. Let's do one of our famous live To the internet! Okay, here, here we go. Okay, so he played on uh, Roads Into the Future in 1986. Uh, he went... Okay. He played on... Uh, of, of all of the all of the Megadeth albums up to Cryptic Writings. Gotcha. Um he did play on Marty Friedman's solo albums, so Scenes, oh, okay. Introduction, True Obsessions. Uh, he did an album, he did a project called Menza, called Life After Death. Oh, I don't think I've um, heard that. Uh, Memorane, Memorane, Reduced to Ashes, Von Skeletor, Injection of Death in 1988. That sounds cool. Oh, that was, uh, that's prior to, to Megadeth for him. Yeah. Delta Nort. EP in 2011 and uh, Sweet Eve The Immortal Machine in 2016 which was the same year he died Okay, if I remember uh, so, I mean, yeah. so, but literally when it comes to Megadeth like he literally came in did four albums and fucking nailed it man yeah he sounds great yeah. in, in, in on all the records um, but yeah wh- where, where was I at I, I'm at Take No Prisoners Oh, that's is, that one's great too. Oh, uh, it, it's a song actually that I almost broke my finger playing on drums. I actually hit my own pinky during a really fast fill. And bear in mind, for for those that don't know out there, drumsticks are fucking hard. They're <laughs> built, you know, they're they're made to hit something. And I and I know that you're probably thinking, well, duh, it's a piece of wood. Yeah, no, this thing is not a twig. It it is fucking perfectly made to hit shit, and when you do, especially playing shit like this, my god, it hurts. I've I've. There are so many yeah. ways to injure yourself being a drummer. Just just by yeah. just in playing your instrument. One of my favorite things that happened. I mean, it wasn't you know probably one of his favorites, but I was in a band back in. Well, I've been in several bands, but it was a band I was in in the <laughs> early two thousands, and our drummer. One day at practice, there's a part of the song where he does a little fill and he goes and does a a cymbal crasp and a, a, gra- a crash and a and a mute. Like he grabs the yeah. cymbal, and he did it right at the right angle to where the cymbal went in between his thumbnail 
and his finger oh. tearing it off of his skin. Not the entire nail, oh. but he literally, he just stops. He's like, holy fuck, he's just... And I'm like, how... See, that's what I'm saying. It's so dangerous oh being God. a drummer that you could just literally rip your fucking nail off of your finger with a cymbal. Jesus Christ, I thought you were just going to tell me... I thought you were just going to tell me he was playing with a broken cymbal, and when he choked it, he grabbed the broken part. No, oh no, no. no. He, he had good equipment, but he just went at a right angle and hit it hard enough to where it knocked it knocked his, oh. his nail off of his finger a little bit. Like he was right, that's it. That I'm was firing off cymbal chokes for the rest practice, of my uh, career. Practice was over that day, <laughs> needless to say. Shit. Ah. <laughs> uh, like I've I've also kneecapped myself a few times with a stick. I've yeah. gone to hit the snare and, and missed it slightly and hit myself in the knee, which also hurts like hell. I had to stop mid fucking song because I just screamed loud as shit. But um yeah drumming is a dangerous profession so uh, <laughs> yeah it, it's a badass song though and my favorite part of take no prisoners is is that david allison bass fill that yeah which that's what that's one of the songs on the remixed version that that suffers the most because the yeah. re the redone backing vocals on the take no shit it's like i don't know what they did it but it sounds horrible and cheesy as fuck, <laughs> and I don't know why. That was one of the th one of the things that made me hate that so much because it already sounded bad. But then all of the oh yeah, all of the re like for those of you. Unfortunately, if there are some of you out there that you've only heard this remix version of Rust in Peace, I I feel very sorry for you because you don't it's know the, the worst album. of them. Because they they even replaced the vocals with what I think is him just re-recording the vocals. Then when he yeah. and it doesn't sound as good. The mix is all fucked up. I don't, he, I don't, I still don't understand what he did. Why did he go in and fuck up the albums? It, like, it's not just that. It's like the drum sound is, is weak, especially an album like Rust in Peace. To me, it's one of, sonically speaking, one of the best recorded albums, in my opinion. Just the way that yeah. it sounds is perfect to me. And I, I guess if you're younger, well, I mean, not you necessarily, but some people who are younger who like a more modern approach to the sound, I could see why maybe this doesn't sound good, but. Man, it's like I don't know, dude. Like I, I was, I was only ever exposed to the remix version, and then as soon as I heard the original stacked next to it, it is night and day. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's taking a masterpiece and making it into a masterpiece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> a remastered piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. It's just such a good album, though. Like Five Magics has some spooky, unsettling parts. Mm -hmm. Poison was the cu Poison was the cure. Is a thrashy fucker. Um, every time I read that title, though, it's like I, I read it as Poison. The band was the cure. The band, and it's like I, I have this like weird alternate reality moment where I'm like, no, they weren't. Or it's, or it's just a Halloween show where Poison plays all Cure songs and dress up like the Cure. <laughs> I'd pay good money. To see <laughs> yeah. That. <laughs> uh, uh, Lucretia is another barrage. That, of that's just another great... one of those swing songs. The way that that the way that moves got so good. Yeah. It's just a barrage of great thrash metal. Like mm -hmm. it, it, Tornado of Souls is such an iconic song. Yeah. Awesome, catchy, and a killer in the solo department. Like Marty had this way about him where he could make shred so melodic and interesting like it's one thing just getting out there and just wanking your guitar off it's another 
placing every note where it needs to be for the optimum effect. Mm-hmm. Now that that is what truly impresses me. Um, now Dawn Patrol is weird in the best of ways, yeah. and yeah, uh, it actually. I don't know if it, how deep you are into the into the metal up your podcast lore, but Dawn Patrol became a running gag because they did this series called um, Explore the Big Four within the podcast, yeah. and and when they when they heard Dawn Patrol, it became this like running gag that they would like <laughs> every time it came up, it's just like a stupid inside joke they do. We end our lives as moles in the dark of <laughs> Dawn Patrol. <laughs> but the the bass riff is so kick ass though, like my 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 favorite oh. thing about that is that I can't it, it, I, I I feel like Dave can't decide whether or not he wants to do a British accent or not. <laughs> Oh yeah, he so wants to. Because yeah. sometimes it doesn't come across very well, but then he gets to that. As I read, I epitaph. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I just love that, like how he like breaks out those like our environment was wrecked. Yeah. Like he goes back to the he goes back to the U.S. Yeah, feel. Uh it's it's funny. It's a funny song. It it's puts a, a smile it's a on cool. My face. It just it's it, it's one of those things that I think. Picking it apart, it's like, why is it there? But it's been there ever since I heard this album, and so I'm like, it has to be there. <laughs> it's just the way that it works. That's the thing. Thrash bands back then really had it. I mean, thrash bands in general tend to have a sense of humor about what they write. Yeah, a lot of the time. So, like, to to throw on a like fun, out of character but somehow fitting track like Dawn Patrol. It's like how on the first Nuclear Assault album, there's a cover of the Mister Softy theme. <laughs> but dawn patrol is is it's cool yeah and then finally you get the title track rust in peace polaris is an awesome way to close out this classic album Mm -hmm. and i love how it like blends dave's high vocals with his like kind of rant kind of stuff like bomb shelters filled to the brim kind and, of thing and also like one of my favorite megadeth lyrics is um uh rotten egg air of death wrestles your nostrils like that's yeah. just a fucking great line i actually i actually thought it was rots out your nostrils for years oh, it's wrestle, thought, wrestles your not nostrils yeah like the wrestles part makes it even more interesting yeah it's like yeah <laughs> But yeah, number three, Rust in Peace. It is unfuckwithable, like you say. It's it's badass. Yeah, and I and I and I can't wait for all the hate mail for my for my <laughs> two above it. <laughs> so so yeah, so that's not that's not my number three um, because <laughs> that, I love Rust in Peace a lot. So you, you guys probably have an idea of where it's going. But um, but my number three, this is this was number three and number two. Another another ones that um I I. They could go either way for me, um, but in the end, I decided to go with number three being peace sells, but who's buying? And I don't have anything. I mean, we're getting into these territories where everything is so good. Like the only the yeah. only thing that takes away from peace sells is I don't think that that I ain't superstitious is very good. I, I mean, I, I think it's good, but in comparison to the rest of the album, it kind of drags it down a little bit for me. But we already talked about this before with like, you know, the riffs in this album. 
Just, just yeah. the, you know, the, the ending riff in Wake Up Dead and then the middle riff in The Conjuring. Um, Peace Sells as a song is just, it's just an absolute classic. It's pretty, you know, it's yeah. an iconic Megadeth song. But every song, every song has just got so much great shit going on. But also, <clears throat> the reason why I think this album is so great is the same reason why I love Ride the Lightning so much. Because the progression from the first album to the second, it's, to me, it's miles ahead. Um, yeah. Where they, they, they proved themselves, which is like what all the great bands. That's always, anytime I hear a band put out a first album, that's really good. I'm all like, I'm not a fan of yours until that second one comes out and you show me what you're going to do, which I follow that shit up. Unfortunately, nowadays, most bands just put out 2.0 of the same thing that they already put out. But yeah, Megadeth did not do that. Sure. There's still elements. There's still the sort of acrobatic kind of riffing going on in this album, but it's way more sophisticated songwriting wise. Um, and like we talked about, there's some odd song structures and stuff and odd choices here and there, but it sounds great. And, and they really did right out of the gate, especially, you know, with their first album, but then especially going into this, they set themselves apart from the other thrash metal bands. And yeah, really, I think that that's the thing that made that period of thrash metal so good because every band, for the most part, up until the late 80s. The late 80s, all of a sudden, a whole lot of bands that sounded similar started coming out, which I do enjoy most of those bands, but especially when you're talking about the big four, those four very quickly figured out who they were and did not just play the game and make the shit everybody else was making. Those The big four are the big four because they were very unique and very successful. And there are other bands from that time period that I think you know also had their own thing going, but I think none of them were as unique as what the big four were doing. The big, I, I realize that the, the big four term is overused and a lot of people think it just has to do with album sales, but I really do think that as much as I love, you know, Exodus and overkill uh, and bands like that, they they, they don't sound as unique to me. Like they, I can hear mm-hmm. other bands that sound similar to those bands and even in their old stuff, their old stuff just has has parts of it that I go, well, that sounds very similar to this other thing that I heard, whether it's Venom or who, who the fuck ever you want to throw in the mix. But with with albums like Peace Cells, it's a band that's just like we're miles above all these other motherfuckers, and we're we're proving it not just by being amazing musicians, but by creating an album that you haven't already heard. And yeah, so that's why Peace Cells is is, is my number three. Cool. So my rather controversial top two picks. It's not. It's, I, no, it's not risk. So it can't be that controversial. <laughs> is it, is it, it, it? It's still. It's still above. It's still above. Uh, Rust in, Rust peace, in peace, and peace and peace cells, and way above peace cells. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna let you guess. It's it's between. Um, I'm gonna go with cryptic writings for your for your next one. Yep, you nailed it. Nice. Number two is number two is cryptic writings. So uh, he, I'm just going to jump right in. Do it. Trust, trust is Megadeth's answer to Enter Sandman. All the way from the big drum build up at the start to the riff to that radio friendly approach. It's a fucking tune, nonetheless. I feel like 
I feel like this album, at some point, I remember there was a quote. I think, I, I again, this could be some kind of thing I've made up. <laughs> but uh, I think there was something that Dave said that he wanted this to be their Black album. So that's why they went for a super commercial but still rocking vibe. Yeah, okay. Um, Almost Honest is a complete earworm and uh, puts me in a damn good mood. And uh, that that's the first song that really highlighted to me how different the original is to the remaster because yeah. crypt, Cryptic Writings and Risk... Their original production sound is so unique. And then Dave, with his revisionist history remixes, <laughs> went back over and just gave him the generic metal treatment. This and it, has to be the only episode where even when we get to the top two, we're still talking some shit about something. <laughs> I, th- I think the thing is, though, it's, it's like it's because we love it so much. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And that's, I, I, that's it it wouldn't upset me if I didn't love these albums so much. Yes. Yeah. But like even even I can still I can listen to the remasters because I'm used to them. Yeah. But after noticing the differences, I think for these two albums, Cryptic and Risk, I'm I'm gonna stick to the originals here on in because they're they're pretty untouchable. You know, uh, Use the Man is is very Alice in Chains in both style and kind of lyrical themes mm-hmm. you know use the use the needle and those like descending harmonies as well uh, mastermind is a fun track with some uh, nice nasal i tell you what to think <laughs> action, action uh the disintegrators feels like an hum- uh, uh feels like an homage to some of the speed metal that influenced him in the first place. So like kind of the faster maiden stuff and, and um, motorhead and things like that. Um, I'll get even is a cool laid back rocker. Sin is a damn good hard rocker, uh, a secret place. Now I love sitar <laughs> in metal riffs and this is the sitar song. I love Wow, yeah, this really the, is their Black Album. They threw a sitar. Yeah. Although I don't know if it's an actual sitar on the Black Album on where, wherever I may roam. I think it's a steel guitar. but um, I, It might be one of those uh, electric sitar guitars where it's designed... Oh, could, could be, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's like a, a, a hybrid kind of setup. Um, have Cool Will Travel. The wheels on the bus go round and round. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh man she wolf is tight as fuck thrashy but still really catchy song um vortex it, it has this cool riffy kind of thing with, with some cool effects in the mix too vortex i feel like they took the riff from vortex and made a good number of their modern songs with it that riff yeah is I mean, they uh, took a lot. Of, they took a lot of stuff from these albums we're talking about, and then ter- changed them up a bit and put them on other albums. Yeah, oh, man. And then, and then, FFF, which fight for freedom, is a punked out thrasher close to. Where? Uh, sorry, I kind of flubbed my words there. Uh, FFF is a punked out thrasher to close out the record, and is is very nice. I yeah. like very much. 
<laughs> yeah, I have to admit, like I, I actually appreciate the album a little bit more now than I did because it is one that I didn't really like. Just mostly because I feel like it, it wasn't. They didn't go all the way with what they were trying to do, um, especially when it yeah. comes when you when you're coming euthanasia into cryptic writings. I'm like, okay, it's a little bit of a step down for me, but um, I definitely appreciate what they did and the uniqueness of the of that period of, of Megadeth. Cause it's just, once again, we're, we're taking the, these journeys with these bands and you start to, I mean, I guess if you're, if you're in into it, it's really enjoyable when they hit these periods of creativity, when they're writing things that are m- more accessible, more melodic, whatever. Um, yeah. but I, I think it's, I, I think it's always enjoyable to hear these songs. Cool. But, um, but that's not my number two. Um, although, um, I guess you, a lot of people would argue that my number two is the beginning of that period. Um, my number two is countdown to extinction. And I love this album so much. First off, before saying anything else about the album, just in relation to other albums, personally, to me, we've talked about this before. There are certain albums and certain songs that immediately make you feel nostalgic like like where you were at the time and there are yeah. so many tracks because i remember going to get countdown to extinction when it came out at tower records and bought it on cd um so i was 92 i think when that came out so i was you know i was, yeah. I was what was i 14 then something like that anyway yeah. so I, I remember going to get it and immediately just really being into the like the, like I said, the swing that the band has with rhythmically how everything sounded so tight, but still had like a groove to it. And the the great thing about Countdown to Extinction is because there are songs that immediately grab you as cool, and then other songs that it's kind of, they're kind of growers. Like like Foreclosure of a Dream is a song that originally I was like, that's oh, this is pretty good. But then down the line, the more I hear it, the more I'm that's so good man yeah Um, the songwriting is great we talked about things like architecture of aggression about the the rhythm of the vocals and there's a lot of those of those uh i guess you could say um choices that they made with either uh either uh uh how a riff went with the rhythm like the drums and whatnot or how vocals laid over them and i just feel like like the like I like even as a Metallica fan back then, I was already a big Metallica fan, but I remember thinking just like you hear Countdown to Extinction and then prior to that Rust in Peace, I'm like, well, these dudes are clearly the technically better band, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, it's just over the years, my opinion on that has kind of changed. But this period of of music, as much as people want to say that this is them starting to write accessible stuff, um. There's, they, it's it's amazingly performed, and and very well written songs, all of them, all the way through. Really, like if I was gonna, if I was gonna nitpick why this isn't number one, the only two things I can think of is the vocal melody on "Skin of My Teeth" is pretty much the same thing as "Liar." The yeah. it's the same, the same vocal melody, and I'm just like, all right, well, that's reusing it a little bit, but he, maybe he didn't know it at the time. And then I think the actual title track is the weakest song on the album, um, just yeah. be, just because the chorus doesn't pay off. the 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 verses are cool, 
and it needs to go higher, but it's real. Something about it doesn't deliver the way that I want it to. Although I like it. It's now, a slow years, burner. Yeah, I guess so. But, um, that, that's just me trying to nitpick. Cause I, I think countdown is an amazing record. I think when it comes to that, that part of Megadeth's story where they did, where they, where they did the nineties thing that everyone was doing, where they, they hon- they, they basically stripped everything down, got more focused and melodic, slower, let things groove a little more. With that period of Megadeth, Countdown to Extinction, in my opinion, is the best that they did it. And it's still one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, and, with, yeah. and with that album, the, the remix didn't really fuck with it, except for the fact that they, the drum sound, I think, is atrocious with the remix version. Because I think it's one of the... Once again, it's you know it's another amazingly well produced album. I just think it sounds amazing, um, and I never get tired of it. It's just it's it's one of my favorites. So that's why it is my number two. Cool. So we've we've arrived at our number ones. We have. Let's do it. Cool. So my number one all time favorite Megadeth album is 1994's Euthanasia. All right. Okay, so here's my favorite. There, there isn't a song here I don't love. So, uh, yeah, Reckoning Day has this cool groove to it. I love the drums at the end that don't fade out with the rest of the mix. Yeah, like those kind of like real war drum toms, like do 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 do. Also, I want to I want to point to a little little fun thing I found about six years ago. There's a video on my old channel which is eddie sparks 2 now and it's i think it's called like pink toy stove hob plays um megadeth's reckoning day and and me and my me and my cousin happened to find this like um toy stove that my cousin had at the time she was only about like five and it was this pink toy stove that was detachable from like this oven and you would turn a little dial on it and it would go (laughs) and it had the perfect tempo and the perfect amount of hits to perfectly sync up. So uh, I think it's called pink stove hob plays reckoning. That's when you know, that's when you know that you're truly a music fan when just out out, other sounds to remind (laughs) you of songs. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll send it to you i'll send it to you okay. but yeah it's 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 on youtube it's it's a cool little fun thing and it's before my hair had fully grown back out i, I think because so, i think uh, i remember because I, I i i'm subscribed to that page too and so yeah. i remember at one point going back and being like oh look he's he's all young here like younger than yeah. younger than now <laughs> yeah i was I, I think the first first one on there is from when i was 16 yeah god i was young <laughs> that's the thing. I and mean, that's the thing that's like, I feel like I, I love the time period that I grew up in, but, I, but the fact that you're going to have these things when you get older, like yeah. I, I have, like there was plenty of things that I videotaped like, cause I, I occasionally, you know, had a camcorder to use when I was young, but yeah. all those tapes have been lost or recorded. Oh, over, man. And so I don't have any of those things. I don't even have footage of, the only the only band that I've ever been in that has footage online is the last one that I was in. Like I quit that band like I think five years ago, maybe four years ago. Um, yeah. But other than that, all the bands I was in from you know the mid '90s on, like there's nothing, like literally nothing out there. And Damn. so, 
it sucks because, but I mean, so nowadays, you know, there's enough shit. You film something, put it up on YouTube, then you get to be like a 50 year old man. You'd be like, let's go back and watch that thing from when I was 20, you know? So <laughs> that's pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. It, um, you got train of consequences here. It's got that cool, cool jerky riff feel that we've mentioned on here before. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that's got a good rhythm to it. I love it. Yeah, it's it's got that swing in it. Really unconventional riff too, because like it's mostly just mutes. Yeah. Like, like, but it's so creative as well. The the melodies on this album are so good. Addicted to chaos is. Oh, I love the reverb, the amount of reverb still for 94. Yeah. It was a different, it was a slightly different kind of reverb, but it was still huge. And a lot of other bands were doing this kind of dry kind of zero fucking reverb at all. And even if they had reverb, it was like a room. Yeah. This is, this is still has that huge sound. Um, a toot Le Monde, the original yeah, version, the original, guys. Yeah. Tune, guys, in, tune in to part one for our shit talking of the re the re recording. <laughs> on the flip side of the uh, updated one, which sucking fucks, um, <laughs> <laughs> a toot Le Monde, The original is a phenomenal song, e- easily like top five for me, it, and it's it, at least Megadeth songs, and it's really stood the test of time. It's a fantastic track. Uh, Elysian Fields is infectiously hooky. Mm-hmm. I love this song. Yeah. Now, The Killing Road is probably also my favorite Megadeth song next to 99 Ways to Die because it's got it's heavy, it's got the hooks, it's memorable, intense, melodic, all while having the core elements that make this era of the band so fucking good. And it's that perfect middle ground between melodic metal and the hard rock stuff they were doing yeah um blood of heroes is this epic slow plodding melodic track uh family tree is a is a great melodic heavy song with very dark themes as far as i know um euthanasia has some real heavy slow doomy riffs but they're still really in your face and big they don't just sound like you know sabbath worship yeah um and the vocal hooks are all over the place here like i thought i knew it all is another of many tracks that show how the band really fleshed out the harmonies um black curtains now black curtains is a song i've seen get shit on time and time again and i just don't get it i fucking love this song i don't think i've ever heard anyone say anything about it yeah, I've I've seen on a few lists. Like I I like to do like a preliminary scan of other people's lists mm-hmm. when we do these episodes, and I've seen someone call this one of the worst Megadeth songs. N- no, oh no, they did way nah. worse. <laughs> <laughs> it like it's it's heavy as fuck in the chorus, and it has stripper riffage in the verses. It's <laughs> just got such a good groove to it, yeah. and then finally. Finally, we get the song Victory, which is particularly notable for the lyrics being largely comprised of song titles and references to songs from the band's previous five records. And it's a nice callback, albeit a bit of a heavy-handed one. It's pretty on the nose. Yeah, that's true. But I've always thought of this 
as a moment in which Dave is actually acknowledging how successful he really is, regardless of any obstacles and rivalries. Because I feel like a lot of the time, Dave has a tendency to stir the pot, but I feel like here, here is kind of a mic drop moment, like we said earlier. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, I made all these kick-ass songs. Yeah. Like, and then just walks away. Which is, it's, it's, it's always funny to me. I know we're, I know obviously because we're talking about Megadeth, we inevitably talk about Metallica, but it, it, even back when the movie came out, in, in the scene in, in Some Kind of Monster, when Dave is talking about, you know what it's like? And people come up to me and tell me I suck because of you. And I'm like, nobody does that. They do it the other way around. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, even back then, I was like, Dave, is any, no, nobody does that. Everybody hates Metallica because of Megadeth. <laughs> like, maybe it's more so now than it was then. But I'm just like, that's, that just, it, that seems backwards to me because it seems like Megadeth is the band, the cool band. And you're you're and most people talk about how Metallica suck. Like I've worn Megadeth and Metallica shirts in my life. The only time some yeah. random person comes up and tells me something sucks is if I'm wearing a Metallica shirt. It is not a Megadeth <laughs> shirt that does it. So it's always baffled me. I'm like, does he? Because does he really like think that? Like, I mean, I guess what you because that's why I think that 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 this song is important because it is acknowledging like what they've done, and I'm like. Even, you know, 10 years later or whenever, you know, uh, some kind of monster came out, I'm just like, does he really think that, like, he didn't yeah. do anything worthwhile compared to them? I'm just, you know, it, it's just, it's just, it's an odd question because I, you know, I'm sure that Megadeth fans out there um, have experienced people talking shit. And that's, I mean, it, I guess it just comes with the territory with metal because a lot of metal heads are idiots. But, um, <laughs> but I just, uh, I just, it, it it just baffles me because I really do feel like, especially once you get to this, to euthanasia, I'm just like, he's, he's solidified that they are one of the best metal bands there is. So yeah. it's more than, that's more than, than, than 99.9% of bands can say, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, this one to me, euthanasia is, is the peak of everything that made my favorite lineup so great. And at least to my ears. Yeah. And um, I can see where you're coming from with like the, the tempos being pretty mid-tempo based. But at the same time, I feel like this is more of a melody album. And I feel like it allows it to shine. Also, it has a mood. I feel like the, the mood yeah, like, so fits the cover art very well. Like it all feels like a really well done album because of that. It feels cohesive. Yeah, it's good. it's got a vibe to it, yeah. and I love when a band can get a consistent vibe throughout, but also have songs that are really sing along and and memorable on their own. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's what what makes this album so great to me. So, without further ado, <laughs> let, let's get, let's go on. Let's jump onto yours. Um, I I don't even need to talk about. I've talked about this album so much, and most people have talked about this <laughs> album so much. Um, it's probably very uninteresting that it's my number one. My number one is Rust in Peace. And <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like it's an album that I could just say Rust in Peace. Good night, everyone. And then we can... <laughs> Another mic the drop. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's the most perfect Megadeth album. Everything is... Everything's there. Every element that yeah. I want is there. 
the the crazy riffs are there the cool swing that i love is there dave's vocals are amazing it's got but it's it's got it lives in that world where it's still thrash it's still a thrash metal album but it's beyond what anybody else was doing and a lot of bands like there's two albums that i feel like everyone other bands tried to make those albums and Rust in Peace was one of them and and Justice for All was another one where I you hear other bands into the 90s and I go oh they're clearly tr- trying to make one of those they're taking notes yeah and yeah. uh but I think that with 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 Rust in Peace it is like it's it's the kind of album that if I you know met another musician who was really talented and they didn't listen to metal and they'd be like well what's going to blow my mind this would be one of the albums I would give them like, yeah, just, just let this one play. Cause it's, this is the, the, I don't know, some of the best musicianship ever put on an album in my opinion. Cause there are plenty of albums that I love more than this album that arguably are not technically as good just when it comes to performances and, and riffs and song structures and stuff like that. This is just, I hear pe- I've actually had people comment in the past about how they think this is not a very good album. And I I don't know I really don't know what to say to those people. Like it's they're, it's they're confusing. <laughs> yeah, it's like not and I I mean I don't know whose feathers I will ruffle here, but if I'm ruffling your feathers then I don't care you can fuck off, but people that say that remind me of, of flat earthers. <laughs> it's just like they come up to you and they say the earth is flat and i go get the fuck away from me <laughs> go jump off the edge yeah like yeah literally <laughs> there's something wrong with you and um so yeah so literally uh a rust and peace peace rust and peace is the ultimate <laughs> megadeth album um it's uh, a <laughs> it's a uh, rest in peace peace is the ball earth album <laughs> for me it's, <laughs> it's just so good it's one of the best metal albums ever one of my favorite albums ever my favorite megadeth album but it but it's it's one of those things where i in this particular case my favorite that i enjoy the most also i think arguably is technically their greatest album also for all the reasons that i mentioned that we've talked about. And um, so I don't want to go on and on about rest in peace. It's an amazing album. If you don't know it, if you're listening to this and you happen to not know rest in peace, prepare to have your life changed because <laughs> it's, <Yeah. laughs> it's a fucking banger of an album. And um, yeah, so that, that's, that's my number one that we're wrapping it up with, uh, with not a surprise at all. If you've watched my channel, <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Anything yeah. anything else to add before we wrap up this episode? We've already, we passed the two hour mark a while ago. Um any shit talking in this episode that we did, just remember we love this band. Yeah. Like it it's just it's just a l- little fun little extra bit of hot sauce to put on the uh to put in on the old chicken wing well, that is cranked th- and right. There's something to be said about a band that you love so much that even the, the albums that you that you think aren't very good, you're still going to listen to them. And you know, it's like like yeah. like I said <laughs> on the last episode, when Megadeth puts out another album, let's say they are like, well, here's the premiere of the new Megadeth single, and if I hear it and go, ah, that's okay, guess what? I'm still ordering the fucking album <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> it's Megadeth. 
and they they're just one of those bands that uh, even even at their worst, they're still one of the best metal bands there is. So yeah, um, yeah, I think it's it, it, it does this does give us an opportunity not only to shine a light on some things that need to be uh, appreciated, but also allows us to be overly critical and shit talky <laughs> to other things for the sake of entertainment. Yeah, just yeah, <laughs> just just because it's fun. Yeah, um, but at the at the end of the day, I, I'll I'll always say that um, outside of the context of this uh, show, for the most part, my philosophy is: if you don't like something, shut the fuck up, because other people are obviously enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so that's that's the one thing is that like if anyone ever posts, you know, makes a post that says. Um, I don't know. Uh, the The world needs a hero is the best Megadeth album. I wouldn't be the guy that goes, "Um, actually, it's not that great." And it's, <laughs> <laughs> I just go, "Great, I'm glad that you enjoy it," and that's that's literally what everyone should say. Everyone in the fucking world. Don't be that dick that's like sat there in the corner. Well, studies have shown that this album sonically is superior due to the amount of sound frequencies. And it's like, oh, come on, if they like it, they like it. Let's let's stop. Exactly. He's already so, dead. so at the at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, what what we consider our number ones don't they don't have to be your number ones. And guess what? You're not wrong. So that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of music and the beauty of of I guess art in general, um, unless you don't like Risk, otherwise we're going to come and beat you up. Yeah, because you're you're probably you're probably not <laughs> liking it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> anyway, um, but that was the weirdest state. That was a weird. That was a weird phrase after I said it. You're probably not right. Not liking it for the wrong reasons. I think that should be the tagline for this podcast. Cranked and ranked. You're probably not liking it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, let's wrap this up. Um, so uh, thanks for joining us. Steven, 2021. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. The, thanks for listening once again, peanut butter platypus, to all of you who are still here. And um, I think next week we're going to be coming back with another video episode. So for you po- yeah. podcast-only listeners, I know there's a couple of you that like to listen to these in the car or at work or whatnot. Um, next week's going to be a visual one, uh, but I'm not going to say anything else because it's going to be. I think it's going to be fun. Um, <clears throat> but then we'll be back with another band, and um, and um, it'll be you know more cranking and ranking and and other things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is what, what are those? my outros are so bad. It reminds me of there's a there's a, a the, um, an Eddie Izzard performance where at the end of it he goes usually i like to wrap up my shows with a kind of a feeling (laughs) (laughs) and that's what we do here so anyway uh that's all we got for this episode of cranked and ranked thank you very much for joining us and mr eddie sparks take us out later dude